have your copy of God's Word, if you would turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, we're going to be in verses 3 through 7, which if you've been with us for the past month, you will realize, like today, we are going to quadruple what we have covered so far coming into this. So it is a big move for us today. Um, if you are new here today, man, Pastor Chris is away for the day. Him and a couple of guys from our church went and participated. I guess they called it a half triathlon, which was like 70 point what? 70 point what? Three? 70.3 miles, which doesn't seem like much of a half to me, man. That seems like a lot of work. But they are not with us today. But we'll pick up a little bit talking about what Pastor Chris talked about last week. And last week, Pastor Chris reminded us that the opening words of a letter are important and they're not to be skipped over. Um, and he reminded us last week again, we are who Jesus says we are. And if you remember back to verse one, he told us we're saints. We are saints, man. We are gods and we are saints. And we don't want to forget that. And we're not saints on our own actions. We are saints because of our positional holiness. We are saints because of what Jesus Christ did on that cross today. He made us, excuse me, he made us right with God. And that is how we are positionally holy. But then he went on to talk about how our positional holiness affects our personal holiness. Like when we realize we are saints, we are called to live in a way that glorifies God in our words and actions, and that's what we want to do. And he says, if you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you receive God's unmerited favor. He says, you're in right standing with God, and the truth is to be in right standing with God should make us just say, wow. Man, it should make our hearts explode to know that we are in right standing with God. Um, he says, you're no longer an enemy of God, you're his friend, and you're his child, and by grace you've been adopted. <clears throat> and God is our Father, and there's only one God, but He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Paul is telling them, Jesus is our Lord, and He is the Lord. We don't make Jesus Lord. He is the Lord. And verse 2 reminds us, everything comes from God. We get grace and peace from God, and the giver gets all the glory. Pastor Chris told us to remember that grace and peace always travel together. And he reminded us that verse 2 is a great reminder that we need to praise God. We need to praise God for all that he has done in his adoption to bring us into the family of Christ. So if you have your copy of God's word, starting in verse 3, we read, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we'll be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is effective in the patient enduring of the same suffering which we also suffer. And our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that as you are sharers of our sufferings, so also you are sharers of our comfort. So if you'd bow your head with me, we will pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, come to us today and speak to us. Lord, Lord, I pray that you use me just as a messenger, Lord, as a vessel to speak um, your word. And Lord, I need your help. And I need your help for grace. I need your help for boldness. I need your help for divine guidance as I preach your word. And God, do only what you can do today. Give us ears to hear. 
do the mighty work that the Spirit does and of opening ears and opening hearts and open them to the, to the lostness of life and the truth of your word, the truth that can only be found in your son, Jesus. Lord, instruct us, rebuke us, comfort us in Christ by your word. And we give you all praise and glory and honor in your son, Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so as you read this today, you're going to know certain things happening. And the first thing I want you to understand is this. Um, man, verse 3 tells us everything that we need to know. That our God is the Father of mercy and the God of all comforts. He is the Father of mercy and God of all comforts. And I don't know who needs to hear that today. Man, somebody needs to hear that today. They need to know that is who he is. So today we're going to study what R. Kent Hughes calls the Bible's greatest text on comfort. Paul says more about suffering and more about comfort than any other writer in the Bible. And here is where he says the most about it. In these five verses, you see the word comfort used ten times. It is the theme. And what we will see happening today is you will see affliction and comfort traveling together. As he talked about grace and peace travel together, that is what we learn from these words. And that is what brings us comfort as we go through these things. And one of the things that we've learned over our time here at First Baptist is this. When we see a word repeated over and over in Scripture... We need to pay attention to it, don't we? It is there for a reason. We need to pay attention. And today what we need to pay attention to is comfort. And we need to pay attention to affliction. And the Lord and the truth is this, and his kindness, man, has given me a great word to talk about today. And has an encouraging word. And, and, and I'll be truthful, and I'm lucky to get to be able to sit up here and talk to you about what it says. Because it brings life to us. This is something that is super encouraging in these days that that are super easy when we're up here encouraging each other. But the truth of this is, there are promises in these verses. But they're only for you if you're a child of God. So last week, Pastor Chris, early in the sermon, said, hey, man, I don't know what your relationship is with the Lord. And I don't know what your relationship is today with the Lord. But I can tell you this, man, there is mercy and comfort waiting for you if you come to know him as your Lord and Savior. So what I want to tell you is this, man. I pray that the Lord opens your ears. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I pray he opens your ears. Man, if you are struggling with your relationship with him, I pray he opens your ears today. And I pray that as he opens your ears, man, you listen to his call. And know, man, this altar is open. Know this altar is open because what we want to be able to do is know him. Man, and I pray today that for some people in here, today is the day that the Lord opens your ears and you repent and believe. So, we want to repent and believe so we can know God as we hear him in his word. And today in his word, he is the father of all mercies and God of all comfort. So as I was prepping this week for the sermon, we usually meet on Tuesday mornings and we talk a lot about this. And, and one of the blessings is, is this, um, man, I am not a linguist, right? Like, like, probably not a big guess for a lot of you to figure that out. Not a linguist, but man, I get to hang out with some guys that really are like, man, Man, we get a chance to talk to Cooper Thompson. Oh, my goodness, man, that kid will blow your mind. Young man will blow your mind, excuse me. Uh, man, Josh T., he's another guy that just, man, they know that. And one of the things we started talking about was this idea of, of, of what comfort is. Because sometimes we have a bad idea, or maybe not a bad idea, just what we've grown up thinking comfort looks like. So what do you think of when you think of comfort? What comes to your mind when the word comfort comes up? Because what I'm afraid is a lot of us 
have this same kind of definition as what we read in the dictionary. I looked it up, and in the Cambridge Dictionary, it defines comfort as a pleasant feeling of being relaxed and free of pain. Something that makes your life easy and pleasant, right? Or the Oxford Dictionary says, a state of physical ease and freedom from pain or constraint. So is this how you define comfort in your life? Is this how you see it? Is comfort a warm and fuzzy word for you? Does it bring good feelings? Gary Millar, in his uh, commentary, says, when Paul and the rest of the New Testament uses the word comfort, it is a long way from warm fuzziness. Comfort in the New Testament includes everything from an arm around the shoulder to a kick in the pants. And David Garland said, the comfort that Paul has in mind has nothing to do with a calm feeling of contentment. It is not some tranquilizing dose of grace that only dulls pain, but a stiffening agent that fortifies one in heart, mind, and soul. He says comfort relates to encouragement, help, and exhortation. God's comfort strengthens weak knees and sustains sagging spirits so that one, so that one faces the troubles of life with unbending resolve and unending assurance. And I say amen to that. That is what we want to think of when we think of comfort. Not ease, not this feeling of free of pain, but to know that it is about encouragement, help, exhortation. That is what we want to see in that. So, as you look at those two, which one's your definition of comfort? How do you define it? And verses 3 through 7 that we're going to see today is an introduction. And I'm going to be honest, man, there's a lot. Man, the notes I took this week to be able to cover it, man, I realized the beauty of this also is this is an introduction. I don't have to cover every bit of it because what we are going to see is this. Man, G, or excuse me, Paul will cover this in chapter after chapter in this book. We will see affliction and we are going to see comfort explain more and more. But that doesn't mean that we're not going to talk about it some today. Um, and it kind of starts in a spot of this. Paul is starting verses 3 through 7. As we've talked about some of the background of this, he's addressing some stuff about himself. He's addressing some falsehoods, a group that he calls the super apostles that started to spread around about himself. All right? We talked in verse 1 about Paul's apostleship, right? And what started to happen is these super apostles that started saying about him is this, is, man, how can he be an apostle? Man, how can he be a messenger of God sent by Jesus when he has all this affliction in his life? That's not what apostleship looks like, man. Apostleship should look like blessings only from the Lord. And basically what they are saying is the reason he has troubles and the reason he has afflictions is because God is punishing him for his sin. And, and, and what we find out quickly is this, that is not what Paul is doing. Paul's writing to them, and he's saying, you want to know my credentials as an apostle? Look at my suffering for the case of Christ. And all through this letter, Paul tells the Corinthians, in spite of all my pain, in spite of all my trials, I'm not crying. I'm not complaining. I'm not quitting. He says, I'm rejoicing. I'm rejoicing. It's my weakness. It's in my weakness that the power of God is going to be revealed. So verse 3 starts with this. It starts with the word blessed. Um, and he's starting with this great blessing. And 
And as we know Paul, if we read through all his letters, we see a lot of different startings to his letters. Most of his letters start with a, a thanksgiving, like I give thanks for you. Two of his letters go straight to instruction. If you read the letter of Galatians, you'll see it start with a strong rebuke. But in this letter, in Ephesians, he starts with a blessing. And he said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul opens with rejoicing and celebration of God's supreme lordship and Jesus' relationship with his people. Paul Barnett says this, Paul's letting the Corinthians, who are falling under the influence of the super apostles, excuse me, Paul, Paul is letting the Corinthians, who are falling under the influence of the super apostles, know that God is able to be known as Father only as they acknowledge Jesus to be God's Son and their Lord. So after describing who God is and who Jesus is, Paul goes about talking about God's compassionate fatherhood. He describes God as the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. And one thing I want to tell you today is this. Man, put that in your heart. Put that in your spot. Sometimes we forget this. There's a lot of attributes of God that we look at. We know God is love. Some of us really love that one. We know he's righteous. We know he's a righteous judge. We know he's truth. We know about his wrath. We know about his grace. But when you think about God, do you think about his mercy and comfort? Those are attributes we need to use. And I'm telling you, the enemy will come and attack us sometimes and say, where is that at? Where is that at? That is why we need to remember these verses because troubles are going to come. Troubles are going to come in our life. And what we need to remember is this. Our God is Father of mercies and God of all comfort. So starting in verse 4, read about the God who comforts us in all our afflictions. And Paul is saying, the God of all comfort never fails. It's his nature. It's his promise. He comforts us in every kind of suffering. He is the Lord. When we say he's the Lord, remember what his word said. He's the one that's closer to you than a brother who will never leave or forsake you. The Lord who lives inside of us. He's the God of all comfort, and he will comfort us in our afflictions. And Paul can speak of that easily, can he? Because what he is speaking is he is speaking the word of God that has been divinely revealed to him, but he's also telling you about his life experiences when he talks about this. In Romans 8, Paul wrote about our victory in Christ. And in Romans 8, uh, verses 28 through 32, it says, and we know that God calls us, all things to work together for good for those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these, among, these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us, how will he not also, also with him freely give us all things? And listen to that again. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? And it's the truth. The truth is the cross has made us victorious. For our comfort, God gave us Jesus. He already made the supreme sacrifice. And if he gave us the greater grace, he's going to give us the lesser graces also. Right? Jesus died for us. So what can separate us from him? What can separate us from God's love in Jesus? Tribulation, 
distress, persecution, famine, peril, sword, pain, sadness, loss, nothing. His word tells us in Romans 8 at the end of that, nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God if Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. And what we see is God comforted Paul in all his affliction. No matter what came by way of affliction, God was there. And Paul isn't saying he was made comfortable in his affliction. Right? We talked about that difference of our definition of what it was. What he's saying is comfort made him strengthened and encouraged. God made him brave and courageous. And God was there giving him strength to make it through. And I know how we are. I know how our hearts can be sometimes. Sometimes the enemy puts in our head this idea of, I'm not Paul. I'm not Paul. I haven't faced those kind of things. Man, he was this great martyr. Man, he wrote all these great letters. He started all these churches. Man, of course God would comfort him in his afflictions. But that's not me. But that's not what verse 4 says, is it? Verse 4 says, who comforts us in all our afflictions. He is the God who comforts us in every kind of suffering. Not just the afflictions Paul faced, but all the afflictions we face. The Father of mercy and God of all comfort is with us when we have different kinds of afflictions. And we can have a lot of different kinds of afflictions. We can have emotional afflictions, can't we? Man, sometimes we have grief over a loved one who's died or is dying. Man, we're brokenhearted over a prodigal child. Sometimes we have emotional afflictions that come from the bitter disappointment of infertility or a miscarriage when somebody we love has memory loss, when we struggle with depression or anxiety. What does God's word say? God will comfort us. Sometimes we have physical afflictions. Some of us have chronic pain, chronic fatigue, cancer, bad knees, bad backs, migraines, loss of sight, loss of hearing. We have physical ailments which take away our freedom, man, God will comfort us. Sometimes we have relational afflictions. And sometimes you get slandered. Sometimes you receive unfair criticism. And sometimes you have cruelty in your life from a spouse. Sometimes you have deep hurts that come from your relationship with your kids or your parents. Sometimes you face hatred that comes to you because you follow Jesus Christ. Man, God will comfort you. Sometimes we have circumstantial afflictions. Man, there's car accidents. You lose your job. Man, you lose your home to a natural disaster. You lose your pension. God will comfort you in those times. Sometimes there's spiritual afflictions. Sometimes temptation comes in our life, doesn't it? Sometimes there's feelings of regret over our past. Sometimes there's this inability to truly forgive ourselves for what we have done. Sometimes there's trouble believing Jesus can do it all. There's times when we have trouble feeling the Lord's presence. And in all those afflictions, I'm going to tell you, God will comfort you. God will comfort you. And in our meeting this past week, Pastor Chris said, we probably need to have multiple boxes for affliction. Sometimes we look at things and we don't, know why it's happening one of the things we may need to look at is this um man some sin is going to come 
or some affliction is going to come because of sin that we face because we live in a broken world, right? We live in a broken world. Things happen. We don't understand, but sin has caused certain things to happen. Um, sometimes we're going to read about this affliction like we see in these verses that comes as a product of our identification with Jesus. Sometimes our affliction may be consequences of our own sins. Man, even as followers of Jesus, we're still going to sin, aren't we? We are not going to be perfect. And the most loving thing God can sometimes do is in the midst of our sin, bring some trouble or affliction to it. Bring some trouble or affliction to open our eyes up to what is going on, to open our eyes up to the sin that is in our lives. And as God comforts us in our affliction, God tells us, we're going to be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. And if we're truly going to help each other in a way that is biblically informed, spiritually sensitive, and Christ-honoring, we have to be able to get to the hearts of the problems, right? We have to recognize what is causing the affliction in our life, right? Um, but what is causing their affliction? Is it a rebellion, idolatry, immorality? Is it because of our identification with Jesus? Man, we have to get this right because if we only treat each other and those outside our doors as sufferers and not sinners, we won't get the gospel right. We won't get the gospel right and we won't give people the help they truly need. How often do we just want to fix the problem when the problem is this, man, they don't know Jesus. They haven't addressed the sin that is in their life. That is what we need to be able to do. But on the other hand, we can't treat each other and those outside the churches as sinners only because then we develop this lopsided theology of God only as a righteous judge and we won't show others who we're reading about today, the Father of mercies and God of comfort who comforts us in all our afflictions. But there's a wonderful truth we see here. As much as we love comfort, comfort isn't an end in itself. It's a means to an end. Comfort is about stewardship, right? Paul tells us God's comfort is something not intended to end with him, but something to be passed on. And the purpose of comfort is to make us into a comforter. God's a comforter. Jesus is a comforter. The Holy Spirit is a comforter. And that's what we're called to be also. And earlier, Jenny read Psalm 42. And during that, man, we say that's a, uh, the, the psalmist is in a dark place in that psalm. He's in despair. Man, his soul is disturbed. But then all of a sudden, his heart turns to hope in God and says, I shall yet praise him for the help of his presence. I shall praise him. In the middle of that darkness, what happened to make that change within them? What happens is this. The psalmist took his eyes off his situation and he put them on God. He says, God will come. God will bring his help. God was the source of his comfort. And Paul saw himself like this. Paul saw himself as a, con uh, as a conduit through which God could pass comfort and strength to others because he'd experienced so much affliction himself. And we're to comfort each other as we're comforted by God. God will use us. But what we need to remember is this. It is God alone who brings true comfort. Man, God comforts from a spot that we just can't. And sometimes God is beautiful in the way he does this. Sometimes he brings this supernatural grace into our lives, right? Supernaturally sometimes, in the midst of our affliction, he brings comfort. 
As we read in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. So what we see there is this, and we pray. We ask. We're thankful. And what we don't get is this. It doesn't tell us that we get automatically what we ask for, does it? It tells us this. God will give us peace. He will give us comfort, which surpasses all comprehension. Yeah, God sometimes comforts us in supernatural ways and by supernatural means. But sometimes he uses what Pastor Chris, I hear a lot of times, call about the ordinary means of grace. Sometimes he's going to use ordinary means of grace to comfort us. And one of the ordinary means of grace that he uses a lot of times in our lives is other people. The people that are around us. The people that live life with us. And what we do is we see this come about full circle. A little bit later in 2 Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 5 and 7, we see this great example of how this is played out in real life. And in verses 5 it says, For when we came into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were afflicted on every side. Conflicts without, fears within. But God, who comforts the depressed, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort by which he was comforted. In you, as he reported to us your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced even more. So look at that and see the full circleness of that. Paul, who was in affliction, who was in affliction at the time, right? What does he say? Man, conflict without, fears within, no rest, depressed. That is who Paul is at this time. Is comforted by God's sending of Titus to him. Titus comes to him. And Titus, who comes to him, had been comforted by who? The Corinthians he had just gone and seen, right? He had gone and visited with the Corinthians. And he was comforted because he'd seen they were turning back to Jesus. They were turning back to Paul. And that brought comfort to Titus. So Paul hears this. And in return, what does he do? He writes another letter to him, right? He writes this letter that we're reading today. And, and as he's comforted by this friend, he sends a letter back to the Corinthian church to comfort them in their affliction with the comfort he received from God, Titus, and them. So what I'm going to tell you is this, and don't underestimate how God can use you. Don't underestimate how God is, can use you to help people that are hurting. And how's that look? Maybe you comfort them with a meal. Maybe you pray with them. Maybe you just sit there and listen to them. Maybe you let them vent to you for a while about what is going in their life. And what I'm going to tell you is you sit there and you do those things. Man, I trust the Lord is good. And a lot of times what he does is he moves us, doesn't he, in those circumstances. What we want to be able to do is wait for the God's urging in those circumstances. But when he do, man, remind them of the spiritual blessings that are theirs in Jesus Christ. Remind them that we belong to Jesus. And that's our hope. That is our hope. Our hope is found in who we belong to. And we belong to him. And God wants to use your uh, suffering to comfort other people. And the truth is this, man, I don't know what you faced in your life. I don't know what you have gone through. Man, that's hard to do sometimes, isn't it? I can speak from a, a personal experience. Man, a lot of times pain and a lot of times trouble, man, is really personal. Really personal. 
And the safety thing seems to be this, like, man, I don't want people to go in. And a lot of times, the pain that we're going through, sometimes I heard a guy one time talk about this idea of the difference between a wound and a scar. Like, we talked to Dr. Matt about this before. Sometimes, and Dr. Laura, as doctors, they find out how hurt somebody is by going to where they hurt, right? And a lot of times, man, if there's a wound there, their first reaction is going to be to pull back. Their first reaction may be to push you away. Their first reaction may be to holler out because it's hard. It's tough. A scar usually feels a little bit different. But the truth is we need to share our wounds. We need to share our wounds with other people. Man, and I know what the enemy loves to do. The enemy loves to come in and tell us things like this. Oh, man, you don't want to tell them that. Because if you tell them that about yourself, oh, they wouldn't want you around. Or, man, you tell them that about yourself, you're just burdening them. And you don't want to be a burden to them. You're just going to bring them down. Those are the tricks that the enemy tries to play on us. And what he is doing is, man, he is deceiving us. Man, it is a lie straight from Satan. Paul isn't saying you comfort others by being a fellow sufferer. Even though we are fellow sufferers, and there is some help in that. He says, Basically, what he's saying is, be careful here, is we don't share our pain together. But what isn't saying that we don't share our pain together. We do share our pain. But what he's saying is, I've been afflicted, but more importantly, I've been comforted in my troubles by the Father of mercies and God of all comforts. And as we have troubles, as we have afflictions, as I told you earlier, you see God as the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort? The question is this. Who needs to hear your story? And there are powerful stories in this room. There's powerful stories of affliction. Who needs to hear how God comforted you? Who needs to hear that story from you? So in verses 5 and 6, what we see is this. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is effective in the patient enduring of the same suffering, which we also suffer. As we read about Paul, we know some things about him. Man, was life easy for Paul? No, Paul's life wasn't easy. It was filled with suffering. And in the previous verses, verses 4 and 5, excuse me, 4 and 3, we hear Paul talk about how he was comforted by God in those. But in these verses, he starts speaking about how he is comforted by Christ in here. And Paul tells us that as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so is comfort abundant in Christ. And as we share our story, we need to understand a couple of things. Number one, man, we can't, we can't lend anything to Christ's atoning work. Christ has done it all, right? We understand that. But we also need to understand, if we're going to live lives that glorify Jesus Christ, if we're going to live lives that are going to be bold witnesses, we can't be surprised when suffering comes along with it, can we? There are going to be sufferings that come along with a life that is associated with Jesus. Man, there's going to be people that are going to attack you sometimes. Sometimes they're going to attack you for your biblical stance. They're going to tell you you're narrow-minded. They're going to tell you that's an old way of thinking. Sometimes it's going to be your friends. Sometimes friendships are going to end when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Sometimes family relationships are never going to be the same. Sometimes maybe Satan puts a thorn in your side. I don't know what it looks like in your life. But what I do know is suffering is going to come, affliction is going to come. And when it happens, can we be like Paul? 
Can we be like Paul and say, that's okay. Man, I rejoice in my sufferings. And I don't rejoice in my sufferings for no reason. I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake so you can see the comfort that I have received from God within them. In Romans chapter 18, verses 16 through 18, it says this. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. If, we, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to compare it with the glory that is to be revealed with us. And the truth is this, yeah, amen, amen. Man, the glories that will be ours one day when we're face to face with Jesus. But the truth is we hear that verse sometimes. And sometimes we struggle with it because of where our focus is at. Read that again. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And what do you focus on when you see those verses? I'm going to tell you, when everything is going all right, it is easy to focus on compared to the glory that is to be revealed to us. But I can tell you this, sometimes in my life, my afflictions, they don't seem very light. They don't seem very momentary. They seem really crushing. They seem like they are going to last forever. And you know what the problem is when that happens to me? I lose focus on what this verse says. What does this verse say? This verse says they are light and momentary, not in the time. At the time, they feel heavy. They feel hard. They feel like they are lasting forever. But when I compare them to what we are going to have as we get to spend eternal glory with God, man, they are light and momentary when it comes to that. So sometimes we need our focus to be right, right? We need our focus to understand what it is going to look like. And I'm going to tell you the truth. As I read through this, I thought, man, in Corinth, man, there were just some cold-hearted people. There were some cold-hearted people within Corinth. And I base that on this idea of this is, man, they look at what Paul has gone through. They know him. Pastor Chris did a great job uh, of showing what that relationship looked like, the length of it, the amount of letters that were sent, the things that had happened, the way they knew Paul. They had a personal relationship with him. But, man, their hearts are cold that if they're thinking about Paul's tribulation and suffering, they think it's because God is punishing him. And their eyes were closed to what God was doing through Paul. And through afflictions, Paul's ministry was able to glorify God. R. Kent Hughes says this, affliction was essential. It was essential to the effectiveness of Paul's ministry. And do we think about that within our lives? Do we look at affliction and think, man, that may be essential to me being able to show the glory of God to other people as I minister to other people. And the truth is we are all called to minister to other people. There may be times that affliction comes. And what I can tell you is this. Paul knew people were watching him. They were watching and they were wondering, how's this mighty apostle going to handle all this affliction? And Paul isn't saying, I suffer for you to forgive your sins like Jesus did. He's saying, look at how Jesus comforted me in my afflictions. And I know he will do the same for you as you endure in your afflictions. And when you're suffering, do you ever think, and I wonder how God's going to use my affliction. Is that our heart when we're in the middle of affliction to think, how is God going to do this? How is he going to use this? Just like Paul, people are watching you. They're watching us as believers. 
Don't kid yourself into thinking that that is not happening. And what they hopefully will see is this. Your suffering, you get comforted by God. And what happens when other believers see that happening within our life? Suffering comes. We're able to give all praise to God because he comforts us. What happens in their lives from that? Maybe it makes them encouraged. Maybe it makes them not feel so alone in what they go through. Maybe it makes them bold. Maybe it makes them willing to take some risks for God because they know affliction is going to come for the walk that we have with him. There's a verse in the Bible that says, we are sorrowful yet always rejoicing. Man, when we are sorrowful and always rejoicing, man, what does this show to the world around us? Sorrowful and always rejoicing, it shows the world that Jesus is precious to us. It is more, he is more precious to us than the things of this world. And it shows our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, and we shouldn't give up, and we shouldn't be afraid of suffering, especially if we're suffering for Christ's sake. Because where affliction was, there will be comfort abounding from God. And in verse 7, Paul tells us, our hope for you is firmly grounded, or some versions say unshaken. The truth is this, man, we can't be firmly grounded on our own. We cannot do it in our own strength and power. It's only by the power of God that we can face affliction. He is telling you, you may suffer, but take risks for the gospel. Follow Jesus no matter what the cost is. I don't know what it costs you to follow Jesus. Man, I look down here and I see all these high school kids and I think, man, I can remember being your age and, and, man, I wasn't willing to take a risk of anything. Man, I wasn't following Jesus, number one. But, man, that's what he's calling you to. Man, follow Jesus no matter what the cost is. God tells us, live for me and there's going to be affliction. But I will bring you comfort in the sufferings because I am the Father of mercy and the God of all comfort. So for application today, there's two applications. Number one, I talked about how this is a great news, right? This, is, this, this should be encouraging to us. We should walk out of here today feeling encouraged that even when affliction comes, that there is comfort that comes from God. My question for you is this. Man, do you know the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort? I told you again, this was easy. This is an easy message to say, but it's only easy for those that know Jesus Christ. So, Man, today could be the day if you don't know Jesus Christ. And we prayed about that at the beginning. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today could be the day that you know about the Father of mercy and comfort, of everlasting life that can come from him. So my question for you today is this. Man, have you believed in your heart that Jesus is God? That he's God's son who came to this earth to die for your sins, to go to the cross, to be raised three days later, defeating death forever. And he's now seated at the right hand of God. Man, if that is the case, what I'm going to tell you is here in a little while, we're going to have an altar call. Uh, man, come find Joe. Man, come find myself. Come find somebody that you know and trust. And let us know that that has happened because that is what we pray about. That is what we pray we see happens out of this good word. The second application is this. Are you comforted? And are you comforting? Two questions there. Man, have you experienced the comfort of the Lord, and are you sharing your faith? Uh, uh, are you sharing faith about your comfort with other people? Gary Millar again said this: If we're to serve Christ, then the comfort of the gospel has got to be real and fresh for us. Understand that: Is the comfort of the gospel real and fresh to you? 
And sometimes there are people that are going to say, I profess faith in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Man, it doesn't look like it to the world, does it? And it doesn't look very fresh. It doesn't look very real. Man, we need God's strengthening. We need to be able to be comforted. Because we're going to have trials. We're going to have troubles. And are you confident? Are you confident that he's going to be there for you at every trial? And the truth is this, if you're a, a professor of Christ and you don't feel that, man, please, please, man, this week, come talk to Pastor Chris. Come talk to Pastor Joel. Come talk to myself because if we are the children of God, not saying we like our afflictions, not saying we like our troubles, oh, we should know that this is the God who we serve, the God of all comfort, the God of mercies. That is who we serve. And in our afflictions, we should be able to find some rest in that. And if you don't, Maybe we need to talk. Maybe there's some sin issue. Maybe there's something going on that is causing problems. We want to be able to address that with you. Because um, God's word tells us that if we are his, man, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Last question is this, and who are you sharing your comfort with? Who knows your story? Who needs to know how God comforted you in your toughest and darkest times? Man, are your eyes open? to those that are around us. And sometimes we talk a lot about community. Sometimes we don't do a great job of living in community. I'm telling you, there's a lot of people here that maybe I've had the pleasure of knowing what their stories are and know how hard life has been at times for them and been able to hear the comfort that God has had in their lives. Man, how encouraging has that been for us? Like I said, I know it's hard. I know we like to protect our struggles. We like to protect our afflictions. We don't like to relive them. We get scared. We don't want others knowing about the pain and troubles in our lives. But the truth is this, and there's a beautiful verse I always love, and I may take it out of context, I hope I'm not, in First Peter that talks about, man, when you have tasted the goodness of the Lord, I'm going to tell you, when you've tasted the goodness of the Lord, especially in your affliction and your troubles, man, you want to share that with others. You want others to know that there is hope, that there is goodness that can be out there and things that can come from it. So, man, have you tasted the goodness of the Lord and do you want others to know? And I know the other truth is this. Sometimes we look at everybody else, man, and we think their life is perfect. We look around this room sometimes and we think, oh, they got it all. They got it all. It doesn't seem like there's ever an affliction that is going on in their life. And that is the truth is this. We all have afflictions. We all have troubles. We all have things that come up in our lives. And there's no such thing as a perfect life. And sometimes what we do is this. We look at those other people and we think, that's what I want. That's what I want. How do they do it, man? Or sometimes we hear about these people that, that, that make it through these great circumstances. And what we don't want to do is this. We don't want to lose our focus. We don't want our focus to be on them. We want our focus to be on God and what God can do in those circumstances. We don't want to focus on them. We got some great examples of people that, man, have suffered greatly for the gospel that we're able to see. And sometimes we think, man, I could never do that. We've seen people that have suffered loss. We see people that are willing to, to risk their life to take the gospel to different parts of the world, right? And deep down in our hearts, we think, I can't do that. How do they do that? I can't do that. But what we learn from verses like that is, man, there are going to be people that we're going to see suffering. Some of them are going to be suffering because of their faith. But the truth is, it's not about how good they are. It's about how great God is. 
He gives courage. He gives the boldness. He gives the comfort in affliction. And it's always for our good and for God's glory. So who needs to hear how the Father of mercy and God of all comfort has been there in your life? Man, if you'd bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just come to you today. Um, man, praying, Lord, that you just take these words and, and bind them to our hearts, God. Lord, to know that when we are your children, this is who you are. You are our Father, that you care for us in a way that, that should blow our mind. Not meaning that it will make our life easy, but to know you will always be with us, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your word that does this, that encourages us, because so often we need that encouragement. We just give all praise in your son Jesus' name. And I don't know what the Lord